All right. So here's the thing. <clears throat> Recently, I learned a new word. Um, God damn it. This is the worst <laughs> fucking word. I hate this word. <laughs> the only reason spoiler Skylar alert, knows this. I know this what the word is. is because, yeah. Spoiler alert. Skylar knows this. Um, I was incredibly intoxicated. We both got incredibly intoxicated. I was sober. Um, you were not sober. Skylar doesn't drink we anymore. Can, we can get into that story if we'd prefer. <laughs> um, do you know what the official word for foreskin is? No. Oh, okay, I was going to get yeah, Gabe, can, can, ah. can we guess? Yeah, I would love for you to yeah, guess. I, okay. Yeah, I think that's a good All right. idea. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, Probably para something. Like, um, para? Yeah, P-E-R-I. Because like the, the thing around the heart is the pericardium. Mm. Ah, mm. so what's the thing around the heart? So that would... The, right, okay. yeah. You know what? Oh, the perihogium. It the is. It actually. You know what? Fuck. It's the parahogium. Uh, let's move <laughs> on. Let's talk about you, local politics. As someone who knows what the answer to this question is, I wish it were a parahogium. <laughs> I do. Is I it? It's a much more palatable mouthful, if you will. Ooh. Glan- glandular <laughs> sheath. No. No. But that also makes a lot of sense. That, of course, the teacher would put all of that together. The word is wait. Do you want to do you want to know? Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. What is the definition again? It's like the skin around your. It is. Uh, All of us are clearly the, circumcised. It is, it's the foreskin or the state of being uncircumcised, which is and this is from old. This is like Middle English from Anglo French. It says it is the prepuce. Mm. Oh, that's cute. I like that word. I, I fucking hate, hate it. It kind yeah, of that's good. real gross. Do you want to know? Do you want to know a little bit more about this word? Yes. Nope. <laughs> puce. Do you know what puce means? Isn't it like a, a thing that like a bug? Like I think of like a cockroach being born is like you a, would yeah, say because you're thinking of a pupa. pupa. Right. Oh, right. no! Yeah. It is the color. Like it is the color red. Like in the family of red, so. It's like almost before red. Exactly. Before all the before all the blood goes to the tip mm. of the hog. On the, tip the of hood the hog. of the the hood of the hog is <laughs> the prepuce. I like it. I do too. I hate it. So I I don't think that it is spelled correctly. <laughs> It is P-R-E-P-U-C-E. I hate the spelling. I hate everything about this word. I and like why I'm, did it, I don't even know why I know the definition. Of the, I mean, I know that yeah, Nate I don't know why either. How do you know the definition of this word? Because of Nate, man. Because Nate's best friend was in town and they fucking talk about being growers or showers. And then all of a sudden the conversation <laughs> comes around to the fucking hog skin and then they're out there, and Kelly's high, and Nate's drinking a beer, and they're looking up fucking genital definitions, part anatomy. This That's it should also be noted that this took place during uh, the occasion was somebody's forty first birthday. So yeah, this where, is what is happening uh, at the forty first birthday. We're just Kids, drinking it never stops. and you talking about hogs. Talking about hogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad that I have found out the definition before I turned forty one. 
I'm really happy. And I also feel like it's a great punk band name, like the Prepucies. Oh, okay. So that is the title of your next album. Yes. No, it is not. Prepuce Abuse. Yes. That's what that's what it is when you stretch it. When you when you stretch the hog. It's pre-puce that's, abuse. That's what, I, that's what I say when I'm going to masturbate, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I usually, yeah, I also, I, I usually announce it verbally too, but I've been <laughs> looking for a different way because I'm kind of tired of the way that I usually say it, you know. I'm going to go abuse uh, my pre-puce. It's also, uh-huh. it Flog is the also, parahogium. <laughs> as I was looking, as I was typing this in preparation, um, it uh, you can also call the clitoral hood prepuce mm. oh that's interesting i didn't know that so you it's can a like counterpart so. yeah. yeah it is a loose fold of skin covering the hog or the glands clitoridis i know that what? well mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway so you can like wake up in the morning and flick your prepuce all right <laughs> up, little buddy <laughs> okay all right uh, it's like ding 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 are you like (laughs) (laughs) that one's for the YouTubers (laughs) yes Shannon is (laughs) physically enacting a prepuce like a peekaboo prepuce reading you in the morning oh can someone can one of us dress up as a prepuce for Halloween like I would I will not be a foreskin a, a dick skin but I will be a clitoral hood okay I mean, I feel like what you need, like a kind of a a fucking brown hoodie, man. Turtleneck, <laughs> roll that sucker up. Yeah, and yeah. Make sure go, it's right? very. I mean, rumpley. they used to be yeah. doing that. What? I just need a, a brown hoodie that's like damp. Mm. All right, glistening, <laughs> moist. I don't like that word. <laughs> I don't like any of these words. A moist prepuce. <laughs> I'm real cranky about this whole thing. I this this is I ah. <laughs> Can we talk about politics for fuck's sake? I'm done it's talking him curmudgeonly. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Well, I thank you for that uh, lesson. Um, I'm going to look for that in tomorrow's crossword. Um, I cannot wait until that comes up in one of your fucking crosswords and you look back on this day when you're like 80 years old sitting on a porch in fucking Tennessee or something <laughs> and you're like ah Shannon the knew voices <laughs> yeah Shannon knew I'm going to get prepuce tattoo I'll know cuz of my prepuce tattoo on my on my forearm <laughs> like, Oh man you my- you guys are missing some like also choice words within the definition of prepuce um like mucosa which I'm is like no, no. <laughs> all right. You know what? Voices. Voices. Things we say. Voices. They're in your head. All the voices heard. Hello, everyone. You have Kempa. And you have Skylar. Also, Shannon. Um, as well as Gabe. Nice. And Gabe is present and accounted for. (laughs) (laughs) Like gave a little ray of sunshine. (laughs) And also, so full house today. To begin, 
folks, we got a few things to, to knock off the list. Number one, we are trying to raise the number of hosts on the show, increase the corral. Um, and we really want, well, what are the qualities we're looking for here, folks? Like someone what, who what, is, what, someone who ahead. is interested in talking about pre-pew size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not a, not afraid to say naughty words. Uh, really interested words. in, um, I, I would say, social justice, um, leftist politics, often, um, and just why things are not working for the people in our region. Uh, would you all agree with that? Yeah, yes. yeah. I, would I would say so. I would prefer for them to like cats. Okay. Maybe like cat. Well, then we would have never had. Well, we can't mention that. Um, let's. What are some other qualities that they shouldn't? Have? All right, they should I not be say, a white I will say dude. This. No yeah, more as white one dudes. of like the middle aged white guys on the show. <laughs> I am going to say that that category is full. So mm-hmm. reached quota. Yeah, yeah, we are strongly. And we've got a couple still in the corral as well. Qualities uh, to to apply. I yeah. second that motion. So highly encouraged. Um, I think I think a younger younger hosts would be really exciting um, of the sunrise movement age, per, per, perhaps. Um, I think um, you know we definitely need uh, diverse perspectives from people of color, uh, LGBTQIA plus. Um, um, yeah, not dudes. Uh, and Am I missing anything here? No, I think it's worth mentioning that the position um, is potentially paid. Uh, all in, so there is also that. Although, don't quit your day job. <laughs> do not quit your day job. Do not, do not quit your day job. In fact, if you want this job, you should probably go find another job first, and then <laughs> think about this job. But yeah, you should um, have access to your own, uh, like like a computer, um, a, a laptop, or like an iPad Pro, or a desktop. Yeah, and the rest of the tech can come. I mean, like Skylar walked us all through it back when we first started the show. So um, yeah, so don't don't let that be a barrier to you. Uh, reach out to any one of us, um, and and yeah, we'll get back to you. Um, beyond that, some other announcements here. On September 14th, we are having a patron-only hangout for Voices River City. September 14th is a Thursday. Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. And we're not going to say on the show where it is because it's a patron-only one. So if you want to go, maybe become a patron. I don't know. Uh, If you are a patron, keep an eye out. Uh, We will be reaching out to you and letting you know the location and time of this one. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think it's going to be a good time. And finally, last thing. Gabe, Skylar, what's happening this weekend? This, Take it away, Gabe. this Saturday, we, uh, Skylar and my band, which is called Get the Wall, uh, are playing at Streets, very fun, popular uh, pub and grub place. Used to be called Streets of London. I was informed that's no longer the case. No um, longer. That's at, true. At uh, there, it's on J Street and 18th. And great part about this uh, is that it's free. 
and it's on a Saturday night, and we're going to be playing with two other uh, amazing Sacramento acts, Agony Breed and Pure Trash, and it should be a really good time. I went last week. It's being put on by this, like, duo that started this uh, Lazy Rush Records is what they're called, and, and they were, you know, two people kind of in the music scene that were just sick and tired of not being able to play anywhere, which sounds very familiar, and uh, decided to start booking venues and then, like, getting the acts to, to fill the spots, which I really appreciate. They, they're two really good people who are, are getting started in the business, and I, I think it's uh, a great way to, to show support of local music as well as people who want to promote and amplify local music. So I hope to see you yep. all there. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, fantastic people. I think you're talking about Steven and Len, mm-hmm. um, who are friends with my whole trivia crew over there. Um, and yeah, go on down to that, folks. It's going to be a really good time. Anything um, else? If you, you get add there early enough, you can order fried pickles. Mm-hmm. Sure can. You know, I used to a million years ago. I used to work in that kitchen and make the fried pickles. I love that. Damn. Mm-hmm. How about you? You also worked at Capital <laughs> yeah, Garage, right? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Didn't you work at Capital Garage at one point or no? I did, yeah, yeah. way back in the day. I, I worked there for a bunch you, uh, of years. We're <laughs> aging ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back when there was no garage surrounding it. Just, no? it was they just had garage capital. doors. Yeah, okay. garage door. And now it is actually by a garage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm glad we're doing history lessons now on the show. Um, but, you too, but, if you like history, <laughs> you too could be on this show as a host. Join the Voices crew. As long as you're not a white man. Man, all the historians I know. Yeah. No. <laughs> I really only know one, I think. <laughs> and he's very white, and he's Gen X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, you're not a Oh, yeah. Man. He's also been on yeah. the show before, so. Oh, yeah. Friend of the show. Um, but let's get started. I'll let you folks guess who that is. Um, we've got a couple of interesting topics to share, discuss today. Number one, um, I think is really interesting. The uh, mayor of Sacramento, Daryl Steinberg, um, in lieu of his usual state of the city address, that's in a massive auditorium. It's one night. It's a whole thing. And all you know, it's a uh, elbow rubbing and handshaking and baby shaking and you know uh, hand rubbing. There's a lot um, of baby shaking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> prepuce rubbing. There's uh, like a thing where they say, okay, at this time we would like you to stand up and shake your babies in unison, and you all you have to do it. Or there's you like go a to jail. VIP mm-hmm. section for the people with babies. Kiss your hands and shake your babies. Yeah. Um, but uh, in lieu of that, he's having three. Um, state of the cities, but uh, apparently they're more intimate, they're panels, and they're covering different things. Um, Skylar and Shannon, I believe, were at the one on Wednesday, August 23rd, uh, and we can talk about the other two ones if we want, but this seems like the biggie, right? This is the one discussing homelessness. Um, would one of you like to take it away and, and tell us what it was about? It was about homelessness. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Where to start? It, when you say it was, it's an intimate um, situation. Indeed, it is. We were nuts to butts in there um, <laughs> at Well Space. There's like a new camp uh, situation that is to become a campus on Stockton Boulevard, um, and it was. There was a lot of familiar faces in the room. Um, 
And we, you know, it started with uh, the mayor doing about 47 minutes of thank yous. Um, and he skipped you, I noticed. He didn't say <laughs> anything about you. He skipped me and he skipped you. Incredibly so, rude. He told me he was going to do that, though. And he, his former he colleague. That's that's before. rude, Daryl. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, it was probably about 15 minutes of intros, a real snooze fest. Um, and some of our favorite people were actually named um, Angelique Ashby. Lover. Um, Council member Talamantes, Council member T- Kaplan. Um, our good friend Howard Chan was there, if you can believe it. Um, <laughs> Doesn't he yeah. not usually show up to anything that requires him to interact with humans? Um, fair no, and there's good like, question. If this crowd is there, he's there. This is, yeah, I think... You'll soon understand perhaps why he was there. Um, there, I kind of, I want to set the scene a little bit for where it was. So you drive down Stockton Boulevard, like hella down Stockton Boulevard. And there's this like boarded up situation of a building. I legit was like, am I in the right place? I actually don't know if this is correct. But my map says it's right, so I'm going to do it. There's, like, fencing with, like, barbed wire. And you're driving into a a fenced-in area that is, like, just large enough for, like, a van to drive through. With a guy wearing a gray suit just, like, waving. And there are balloons. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, like, waving, like, come on in. And as soon as you get in to this parking lot, approximately 72 uh, law enforcement vehicles are to be seen all throughout. Um, it Very feels welcoming. like quite, it also feels like quite dystopian because there's just like an empty field. Um, you then walk into a building where again, we are all nuts to butts and the walls are lined with cops and fire department, uh, officials. So it felt super fucking cool to be there. I was very <laughs> thrilled. Um, <laughs> Sounds comfortable. Yeah. And then like a lot of media. The room was not big at all. And there were quite a lot of us uh, crammed in there. Anyway, the big thing is, um, you know, the mayor did a whole like intro where he does his, you know, uh, the biggest challenge that our city faces is homelessness. And this is really something that should unite us uh in determination to work together. And uh, he then goes on to talk about how we need cleaner and safer streets. And we need, and and also after we need clean and safe streets, we need to end human suffering and suffering. Mm. Um, but not before That's we have priority. clean and safe streets. Um, you know, and then he like did the whole like tooting his own horn about how the city has Pre-tuse. done great things. He's tooting his own prepuce. Um, and that was weird. It was definitely weird, but we all went with it. Um, and he, then he says, I mean, there's other things that he says, but let's get to the real thing. He's like, all right, everyone, this is the headline. The fire department is to lead the city's response to homelessness. (laughs) <laughs> That's he, <laughs> at which point 
I farted <laughs> audibly <laughs> as I was sitting next to the executive director of St. John's Shelter <laughs> and one uh. row behind all of the electeds. Um, basically, he's like, you know what, dudes, the fire department are already the first people to respond to crises. So let's this just, is you know, hilarious. Yeah, it's also real. This is like this is a real thing that happened. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, the thing. It's called the incident management team. Um. And what they're doing is essentially just like making sure that there is rapid response, a rapid and coordinated response to homelessness. Um, and he he likened he said that our response to homelessness should be the same as a as our response to disaster. Um, there's going to be daily accountability and like inventory of the resources that are available. Um, this is what's really cool about this is that it's in partnership with Sacramento PD, the park Rangers Love code it. enforcement, um, Sacramento County behavioral health and, um, like animal services. So, um, Oh, and then the other partners are WellSpace. I'm sorry, our uh, Hope Cooperative, and yeah, fucking three one one or whatever, and the and DCR, the Department of Community Response. Um. So isn't this know. kind I've... of isn't this vaguely taking place of DCR then? Well, okay, so <clears throat> I don't know exactly even where to start with this. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fair. Um, so, yeah. So, I guess it, <laughs> they're not specifically handling, handing all of homelessness over to the fire department, but the incident commander who mm -hmm. is going to be in charge of this operation is from the fire department. And, and basi basically, a lot of these sorts of... Uh, these sorts of services will be transferred over and being handled by the fire department, quote-unquote, in partnership with all these other departments. But, yes, uh, Dave, as you've astutely pointed out the city already has uh a department that is specifically dedicated to handling issues related to homelessness now this department is the newest department at the city it's only a couple of years old it's been severely underfunded uh since its inception so i mean just so like just to kind of provide some context for folks when they launched the department of community response which i'm going to refer to from here on in as dcr the idea was that it would it would provide a like an emergency response that wasn't police, right? It would be like an alternative to nine one one. So if you were seeing somebody who was experiencing a mental health crisis or like somebody who was in danger, you would have a number to call that would send out a team of people who were trained to deal with people who were experiencing mental health crises or you know extreme circumstances related to addiction or something like that, rather than just a cop to go handle it. Right. And so the kind of, when they were launching the department, that was sort of the idea behind it was we'll have another nine one one specifically for people who know how to deal with these situations, right. which take place as we all know all the time. So it was a pretty popular 
idea when they rolled it out. So obviously they didn't have the funding to like scale up something like that right out the gate. And so what they did was they started with like, okay, well, it'll be a small little department. And then as we go, we'll build it up. Well, they didn't do that, right? I mean, it's it's grown a little bit here and there, but it's still like, so basically what it, what it boils down to is you have like this tiniest little department with the smallest little amount of funding who is tasked with like handling every issue related to homelessness in the whole city. So, I mean, so it's like 30 Set up people. to fail. So yes. it's like, yeah, 30 people who are tasked with dealing with like 3,000 calls every day, right? And so, they, I mean, they just, I, the, the folks who work in this department honestly are saints. Like, I, I don't know, oh, like, I can't incredible. even imagine what it is like to like, because they take all the heat for it, right? I mean, ultimately, they, what they've done is they kind of created this team and they're sort of the, like, they're the they're the last boss, you know, for, for homelessness. So anything that happens just gets relegated to them. And as we know, we, we're, the city is in a situation that is pretty extreme with all of these things. So you would think that with all these people on the stage and with all the rhetoric that goes around about like, oh, well, you know, homelessness is this major crisis and we have this big problem and it's not working for any of us and blah, 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 blah. You would think that the idea behind that or you would think that the people who are saying those things would be working to move resources into the Department of Community Response to grow it up and kind of build it into the thing that it was that it was supposed to be at the right. outset. That's what you would think. You However, would, you would think that instead of doing that, um, they are they have been starving this department for like a year and a half at this point. I mean, ever since really ever since Bridget Dean retired, they never replaced her. Um, Ridiculous. They haven't had. Yeah, That's they haven't had a, a head of this her. department um, since she left. Um, there have been, I mean, I don't know. There's, it is, like, the idea that you would kind of take this department and like slowly just kind of like fold it into the fire department, because they, they, they can't, I, I, I think it would be too... I think it would be too, like it would be too controversial to do it with the police department. Although I do secretly believe that that is probably the first what they wanted what they, to do. What, yeah. what the first uh, the first thing that the first desire would be. But the idea that you would take this and fold it into the <laughs> fire department. I mean, like, like okay. So you know what I was thinking about while I was in while I was sitting in here watching this thing. Remember, like. Um, what was it? It was a couple of years back when Flo was on the show and she said something to the degree of like, hey, you know, like when they when we built out the way that the budget works for the city, buildings were built in a different way that didn't have we just didn't have the technology that allows us to build buildings that are as like fire retardant. And right. like there there's just like things aren't the same as they were when we when we allocated all those resources, right? And so, like, it makes sense at some point to kind of take a second look and be like, well, do we need, like, are there enough structure fires around the city to, like, justify this amount of this? And are our resources being spent wisely given that buildings are different and that, and that the stakes are a little bit different now, right? I mean, and I'm thinking about that because you would think... Like, if you ask, you go out and ask literally anybody, and I don't care who you ask. You can ask, like, the, the meanest asshole NIMBY, or you can ask, like, the most boots-on-the-ground homelessness advocate. They're going to tell you that the situation re regarding homelessness is completely r ridiculous and needs to change, like, right now, right? Regardless of who you're talking to. So you would think 
that I mean, and I don't know. I certainly I don't pay attention to a lot of this stuff. I will say I don't see a ton of structure fires happening in this town. I do see a lot of issues related to people who are suffering on the street. And it would seem to me like rather than to throw that department out or kind of disappear it into the fire department, maybe you would reallocate some of those fire department resources to bolster that department. But And, and that seems to me like that's the sleight of hand that's taking place now, right? Like the mayor included, nobody wants to do anything bold in our budgeting. They're afraid to drastically change the structure of city government and they certainly like are afraid to invest any more in dcr right i can't believe they didn't replace bridget that's so so wild to me uh she was the head of dcr for listeners and so what they're doing you know we know that that police have dwindling social capital in the community right and and it's really gone down in the last 5 to 7 years so they can't roll it in there daryl thinking thought he had the answer here like i i'm not going to defund the police i'm not going to defund anyone else what i will do is i'll roll dcr into the fire department because as you were saying skylar we we don't have fires in the modern times the way we did back then. And yes, I get it. Like, you know, we have wildfires today, but that's not the same as within a city. Well, and, and, and in, in fairness, the fire department does other stuff other than just put out structure fires. But I think I think the point still stands. Dude. Yeah, I think the other I mean, the something that I think is important to remember as this whole uh, uh, what the fuck are they calling it? Uh I something incident management team as this whole thing is being rolled out is that we know from pretty recent history when we um, heard from the fire department that their like their budget is already struggling right like they don't have the people to send out like the, the people are people are working like hella overtime. They're also having to hire like outsource medics uh, to private companies so that there are people to respond to these emergencies that are, you know, going on all over the city, medical emergencies. Um, and all, and now what we're saying is you folks who are already stretched super fucking thin. Um, and by the way, have a not super great trusting relationship with unhoused people certainly better than cops but but not great um you all are the ones who are going to respond to these to this crisis like it just makes so little sense that they are not bolstering the work of the department of community response when those are people who have, who have been boots on the ground for over a year working to build rapport they understand the community need they have relationships with, relationships with service providers. They have access to the coordinated access system. Like it just it makes absolute like this whole thing makes no sense practically. It makes perfect sense politically, um, and that is super fucking problematic. I mean, kind of, but like in terms of politics all of these people Daryl almost more than anybody takes political heat all the time for like how bad things have gotten in terms of homelessness in Sacramento like it 
even and given all that and, and Shannon, you're 100 percent right. Like, I mean, there's a reason why we're doing this like weird roundabout thing, like trying literally every different thing that we can do other than to like adequately fund the only department in the city that's actually up to the task of dealing with this thing. But like at a certain point, man, it's like it blows my mind that like that the, the, even Daryl, like the. He's willing to try literally anything except like the easy, like the the obvious thing, except which is like, hey, we sense. have this department. Yeah. Let's give them, Fund let's it. give them the funding they need to to address the problem that we're having. Like that's it. It's not. I mean, and yes, like that that money does have to come from somewhere, you know. And that and that is, I I understand that's a tricky discussion. But like, man, what do you want to do? You want to like, do you want to have? tricky discussions or do you just want to like dance around this for the rest for for you know the foreseeable future because at some point so i mean the hard call has to get made and and i i don't know it's it's a bummer to see that yet again daryl's got some big announcement that is not made that is avoiding making the hard call i mean it's also not even a hard call in my opinion I don't, it's also I don't not know. it's a it's a big announcement that at the end of the day is something that once again is like uh, designed to fail. It's designed to fail, but it also, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like Howard Chan kind of feels like he's the guy benefiting from this. Like, cause he's the one that's like, we don't have the money. We don't have the money. We don't have the money. And then Daryl's like in my last great act <laughs> as mayor of Sacramento, uh, I give Howard. you IMT. That's the dumbest <laughs> yeah. fucking name, by the way. It is a dumb name. And it is, you know, because it is the the incident management team. They're a fucking crisis response team. And they're first, they can't respond to crises in a timely manner as it fucking is. I've also seen the fire department respond to a mental health crisis before. And it's fucking pathetic. Like, yeah, truly horrible. I am using my whole ass fat body to keep a woman from jumping out in front of the light rail on 12th street. And the paramet, the fucking dispatcher is like, I don't have anybody that can respond to that. And I'm like, cool dude. So those are the people that we're putting in charge of responding to un- uh, cri- the, cause this is the whole thing. It's respond responding to homelessness, but specifically the like mental health crisis. Right. It's, absolutely bonkers i don't think we should move on from this topic until we identify the people who were on the panel of experts <laughs> oh yeah well, i just wanted to to add to both of your points that like he is afraid to take any money from the two departments that have the lion's share of money in the city and that's that's why to him it's like oh light bulb i'll just you know plug it into the fire department because people like the fire department but you know plenty of journalism out there is showing how racist that is right. um and like it kind of seems like they'll have their day sometime soonish um yeah and, and and that's why it seems like he would be doing something so, like that but but go ahead to get clarification because of this like new structure of imt are they going to oversee DCR or is DCR just like dissolved or is it just going to continue on and it's failing because of of no money? They didn't actually. So the way that it was um, like presented is that um, there would like the coordinated response, 
their their thing. Coordinated response, rapid deployment, um, daily accountability, and info sharing is all like they are partnered with DCR, the Rangers, PD, um, uh, SAC Fire, Code Enforcement. So there, this there was no wiping away of DCR that was proclaimed, you know, during this announcement. But one can only imagine, because, you know, DCR was there, but one can only imagine that they're, like, what is their, at a certain point, it's like, what's their function uh, outside of being boots on the ground, I guess. Yeah. This seems like nothing. It seems like he's doing nothing now. It's it's deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, that's kind of how it feels, except it is it, it does appear to be kind of like reorganizing the department in a way that I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. This is all conjecture on my part. I don't know anything anybody else doesn't. It feels when I when I heard the announcement today and kind of had a minute to think about it, it does kind of feel like this is a, they're reorganizing things to diminish to kind of further the death on the vine of the mm-hmm. Department of Community Response. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but that is conjecture on my part. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we can draw our own conclusions about it, to be sure. But it is as there was a lot of language that was used around um, like like punitive action, like, you know, cleaner, safer streets and um, abatement, um, involuntary uh, fucking uh, psych services and, you know, like in in the vein of care court and um you know, needing to ensure that, like, every, part of that daily accountability is that, like, every day we're identifying the encampment that needs to be um, swept. He didn't say mm-hmm. that, but swept. And, you know, we're going to move people out into... He, I mean, he of course, it was like, we've got Miller Park and we'll give people places to go. But also there was no announcement during uh, this address that said there are X number of new beds that are also coming available in order to support people going uh, real from quick, Shannon, just to, to just to, I do believe that they mentioned that at the, so Shannon mentioned that this event was held at a campus, uh, that well is space, that yeah. well space is going to turn into like, the idea is that it will be, um, like a space where people can get, mental health care and addiction treatment and whatnot. And I believe that there is, I think I remember this and we'll have to double check it to make sure that I'm right. But Respite. I think there's something like seven or eight acres to the South of where we were, where they are going to build uh, like uh, temporary housing, supported living situations for people who are exiting um, bad mental health scenarios. So I yes. think that, I mean, I technically think that does count as new, as new beds. They the conversation was around uh, the respite beds that are going to be available, which is a thing that is, uh, you know, there are programs that exist for when somebody is has received uh, like acute crisis intervention, like behavioral health services, and they're not quite, you know. And they need additional support. Those are like respite beds that, well, you know, Wellspace has operated those and and will operate more of them. But I think, so yes, thank you for bringing that up. But also, I think the there is no uh, like universally accessible shelter beds that are going to be available for your average, you know, person who 
Let's also be real that like sometimes the people unhoused folks who are experiencing an acute crisis are not people who are living with a severe target population mental health diagnosis. There's somebody who are who's experiencing a wildly depressive episode or a panic attack as of trauma. And and they can, you know, the intervention there is relatively quick. You know, they can have respite potentially get meds and then they're back out on the street like that person would not always be eligible for a respite bed um i just there was just a lot of it was a lot of uh hoopla for a, a disappointing announcement yeah and i guess we just have to see what this looks like right we don't yeah well, and of course and, like oh go ahead jan uh they mentioned that Oh, I wasn't going to say anything exciting, except that they mentioned that it's going to take time. This is new. You know, this is a work in progress. But it's a work in progress in the same fucking way that the Ending Chronic Homelessness Initiative was a work in progress that they dumped. Right. In the same way that Sacramento Steps Forward was a work in progress that has been completely overhauled into what it is now. Like, in the same way that so many things. So it's like, you know, we let's be real about... Let's be realistic about what we can actually accomplish in the very near future as we are approaching more extreme weather months with the winter in our in our very near future. Is this a response to the district attorney threatening to arrest city officials? I mean, over homelessness? It, it it came up somebody made a mention of uh, the need for the district Aaron Johansson from Hope Cooperative, who was on the panel of experts. Um, oh, can we talk about that panel? You you mentioned that. Yeah, we can fucking talk about that goddamn panel. Uh, yeah, she did mention that, like you know, the DA. It would be cool if the DA and other people. She didn't just call out the DA, but other people would come to the table. The panel of experts. The sheriff too with that. Yeah, the sheriffs, the sheriff and the DA. The panel of experts uh, that I guess the city put together for the the discussion um, included the fire chief, the police chief, Jonathan experts Port on homelessness, <laughs> Jonathan Porteous from Wellspace. He's you know great. Aaron Johansson, the executive director of Hope Cooperative. And the assistant city manager, Mario Lara. Well, they didn't specify experts in what. <laughs> That's true. Fair fucking point, man. Um, Shannon, what's your take on, on Jonathan Porteous? Okay, I have... Who's I've been Porteous doing this with? Porteous what? is the CEO Wells, of Wellspace. Wellspace. Oh, okay. I think, so Jonathan, one of the things about Jonathan Porteous that is great is that he is a clinician like he has risen in the ranks and he has been with Wellspace for over 20 years like this is a guy who has served people in the throes of crisis like and I think that he's done a really great job leading you know as someone who like fucking doesn't even didn't go to college like I think he does a great job um but I think one of one of the best things about having somebody like Jonathan Porteous in the ear of the mayor on this is that he is somebody who understands mental health, understands mental health crises, also understands the like 
the ins and outs of um, robust responses to the crisis. Like, and we saw that today at the State of the City when the mayor was doing his thing where he was like, I support Gavin Newsom and Care Court and I think involuntary um, behavioral health or involuntary psych shit, you know, that should be a thing for people. And Jonathan Porteous was like, I'm not against that if we have tried the other, which is voluntary mental health support because... We don't have that. Yeah. Well, we don't have that. But also if you give people the option, they would like to receive comprehensive services to address um, their needs. And so I think having someone having someone sit at the table with that um, lens, very specific lens as a clinician, I think is good. And I've never had a bad interaction with Jonathan Porteous. I've sat on. He wouldn't know who I am, but like I have sat on committees with him. I'm glad to hear you say that because I was I was listening to him talk. I mean, another thing that he said when when they were asking about involuntary involuntarily committing people was he was like, that is no matter what that if we're involuntarily committing anyone, it means that we have failed. That we haven't had a job. We were supposed to help those those people and we failed. Which public Um, health advocates. I would just identify that as a failure right out the gate, which I thought was like, I don't know. I was sitting there listening to him like, yeah, I mean, I like this, but I also like am super used to having like people who are good at talking, say fucked up stuff and have me be like, Oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. So I'm like, (laughs) no, I think this is a guy to hear that he gets the Shannon seal of approval. Cause I was (laughs) feeling pretty good about that guy. No, I think, I think he's a, a, a good guy for, for sure. Um, you know, he's a C he, he's, a white dude that makes hella money, and so I have my ideas about that. But yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> in terms in terms of his framework around serving uh, marginalized people, that's yeah, sure, seal of fucking approval. So the next thing, the next one of these, because Daryl's got one more coming up, is Friday morning, and he's doing affordable housing at that one, which I'm is of course like so the sad I can't be there. Sort of second, of course, like, you know, what we like this whole thing is about responding to homelessness that has already occurred. Of course, the affordable housing piece is not only the end of the it's the end of the response chain, but it is also the beginning of making sure that we don't have the homelessness does not occur in the first place. I'm really interested to see how this goes, um, especially with a proposal like SAC Forward on the table, because I don't I, I don't think that he's going to be openly supportive of it but i'm interested to see how the way that he finds to talk about it to not be in the face of like what is happening and what he is talking about understanding is like a necessity in this town you know so we'll see i mean i don't (laughs) i think that's the part about you know, um, progressive candidates that is annoying for mods, right? Is that they come out and they're like, hey, like, we have a problem. Here's the solution. Is it hard? Yes. Is it necessary? Yes. And then you have moderates being like, well, or we could do, you know, things are Let's aren't ask bad, the developers the how they feel. So let's <laughs> just maybe. But if we do what that, if you do what you want, then, like, the wealthy developers who created this whole situation that none of us like will be mad at me. So right, we're let's let's think let's pump the brakes on this one. You know, we need so to research be, this more. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It'll be interesting to see 
It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I don't know. For the dude, for the yeah. you know, it bugs me. It bugs me that like I think, and I think it's just I think it's just a skillful politician thing. But I'm like always at, at this point in the game. I like am saying you know whatever. Y'all can hate on me and, and deservedly so. I always go into these things trying to give Mayor Steinberg the benefit of the doubt. And like always, I'm like, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Like, oh, come on, man. It's just like, oh, man. It's like being come a Kings on. fan for the last three decades. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's like when someone walks in right when you're done abusing your prepuce. And you yeah. just kind of, it's like, <laughs> come on, man. Come, come on, man. man. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a yeah good I'm time. excited to see how that pans out Friday. Um, I'm glad housing and homelessness are um, almost at the same level of importance as uh, mid-sized music venues to the mayor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> know, Which was transportation climate one. also being addressed at this next one. Oh, so he's covering a few things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really? think he's... Pre- <laughs> what, what if he comes in and he's like, uh, you know, we need a lot of affordable housing. And also, have you guys seen this train station that's coming in at uh, 20th Street? Because that's going to be sick. Now, let me talk for about 45 minutes about how sick that kind of connectivity is going to bring a lot of economic stimulus to the city. <laughs> it's going to nail it. I hope that's what happens. That was giving Matthew McConaughey vibes, and I don't know why. <laughs> Just the vibe. Yeah, there, um, was, it, yeah, there was some... Can, yeah, all right, should, all right, are all there right. any more thoughts on, on this topic? I mean, I know we want to move on, but can I just say that, like, the, the, the mandatory enforcement thing is so bananas. Like, imagine, okay, imagine if you will, let's do, let me take you on a journey to where uh, instead of 10,000 people who need housing, we have 10,000 people who are starving, right? And then we've got the government who is like, and everybody is like, hey, what is the solution to this? Oh, we need to give these people food, right? So, that, so there's that. We have been trying to work out how to get these people food. Uh, we have been able to get a couple of people, a couple of crumbs um, in several <laughs> circumstances. We've offered somebody, a starving person, a sandwich that turned out to be filled with poop and cockroaches. And now they won't accept any more sandwiches from us. They won't talk to us anymore. And we so can't like, figure so, out why. So we're still at this thing. We're still into conversation is still like, hey. These people need food, like get the food in front of them. But then you have this like chorus of people behind them being like, and make them eat the food. And it's like, what? Like, wait, <laughs> I mean, okay. But like, may, like, how about we set out? Or it's like, and make them wash their hands nutritious before. food for people. Let them eat what they need to like be healthy and, and like and get themselves away from a state of like pure survival. Maybe if we just offer that and people see that it's legitimate, they'll take advantage of it and like take what they need. And then you have people be like, no, 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 they won't. They don't even want the food. You're going to have to force it down their throats. What about the people who won't eat the food? What, can we, let's, you're going to put the sandwich in their mouth and plug their mouth in their nose until they swallow. Like, okay, but that's, sandwich. that isn't a, like that, why is that even a part of the conversation? Like we aren't to that part of the conversation. We are still at the, how do we set the fucking table? Part of the conversation. It makes me crazy. And, 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 and it bums me out that I, that elected officials have to like, like give that credence as if it's like it's like has some sort of a merit in and this they conversation. Shouldn't. It's like it doesn't it they doesn't shouldn't. have anything to do with anything. Like yeah. forcing people. Like how are you going to have a conversation about forcing people to do anything before they can voluntarily do anything? Yeah. Like it's I don't know. It's fucking bananas, man. That whole 
Amen. That whole thing. And there's a whole fucking army of fucking Twitter people who are like, who cannot wait to see people get like herded away and like sent to fucking camps or whatever and involuntary confinement and all this shit. And it just, it makes it's so, it's such a bummer, man. It's just so cruel and sad that that's where people's fucking mindsets are at. Yeah. And it feels like all of these folks are in, from what I've seen, like McKinley village, a couple folks in East Sac, couple folks in land park, couple folks in like, Maviglio's neighborhood, I forget what that's called. And it's like you the you are rich folks and like all these rich folks want is to see other people harmed, like or to get them out of their sight. And these these folks who have nothing and it's just, you know, it's it's incredibly gross. And I I, I don't know. I would like to say I think our side's winning, uh, but it sometimes it often, especially at things like this, doesn't feel like we are because we're just winning the rhetorical battle so far. Well, that Can was we... a really cool segment. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> great. Um, can we? Like, I I hope you're all cool with going a little bit over, but I wanted to t- talk a little bit about uh, some culture war stuff uh, that's been going on, and uh, our friend Genevieve Hatch. Uh, Jay Hatch over at the SACB, awesome reporter, good person, uh, wrote this very long, comprehensive piece on the school board culture wars coming to Sacramento. Uh, and by this, I believe this is some of the like, uh, folks trying to make it so like teachers have to let parents know if their kids have mentioned that they want to like transition their gender. Um, other things too. Gabe, do you want to talk to us a little bit about this phenomenon? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really glad that this article was put out because I think I had mentioned last week when we were talking about topics to cover that I wanted to kind of touch on this, but I'm glad that we waited to this week because I do think that this article did a really good job kind of capturing what, what this issue is. And so there was a rally at the Capitol on Monday, roughly like 200 people were there, um, you know, and, and they're, they're using the narrative of like parental consent, right? Parental involvement. They want to be involved. They want to just know what's going on, et cetera. Um, But primarily they are kind of garnering their forces. And when I say they, I mean like these right wing, although in the article there's, there's a lot of folks who are like, this isn't a right or left issue. Um, uh-huh. because there's actually to, to that, can I just quote this one passage? The one thing that I saved from this article is there's this one guy who's like a, one of the mouthpieces movement says, Zacherson, who is not religious, was a lifelong, no party preference voter until the COVID-19 pandemic when he changed his affiliation to Republican. <laughs> God, who could have guessed? <laughs> a rare breed. <laughs> this isn't, this is across parties. Uh-huh. This guy who in 2020 decided that the Republicans were on the right side of things doesn't have a political agenda. Well, I, I think that this kind of ties into a really poignant, uh, salient fact about like the, the NIMBY people who live in these wealthy neighborhoods when it comes to homelessness, right? Because I have a secret for our listeners that I think most of them will know. Um, but Democrats can be fascists too. Um, and one of the yeah. one what? of the folks I know I know it's really really odd. Um, one of the folks who is uh, kind of leading the charge, at least in the Sacramento region. Um, I mean, she's in Placer, but you know, 
close by, um, is Tiffany Sathoff, who is on the Rockland Unified School District's Board of Trustees. Um, and this lady, uh, and I use that term very loosely because I, I think that this person is actually not a human being at all. They're like a some some sort of fucking creature uh, from the depths of hell. Uh, she's also a pastor at um, Destiny Church, which ah! if, uh, yeah, <laughs> which I think are like I could I could come up with a bunch of like historical parallels here, but I think that the one that is is relevant and recent is like. Destiny Church is Pat Robertson and the 700 Club of the 21st century, mm. right? Like they are the voice of the, you know, the moral majority, uh, super Christian fascists, right? Um, that are are absolutely leading the charge on he this. He said moral majority with a quote, right. air quotes, Mor- by the way. Moral folks. majority. Yeah, the silent moral majority. It was very, very popular in Reagan's time. Um that are leading this charge for like parental control in schools. And what it always, what it, it absolutely boils down to is their war on gender ideology, also using air quotes there, right? Um, and like the, the quote unquote trans agenda um, that is being pushed in schools that they think are centers of leftist indoctrination. Um, now they, they're, so what are the things they're pushing exactly then? So there, there's a couple of things. One, they're pushing back um, on policies that uh, require, um, or, or I'm sorry, they are advocating for policies that require school staff to inform parents if their students um, have any change in their, their gender identity or how they would like to be addressed or how they identify at school. Um, there are a couple of other things that they're in opposition to, um, in California right now, there is a, a, a Senate bill in Burbank that came out of Burbank, which would make it a misdemeanor to harass school employees. They're against that. Very, that one made me laugh very hard. Yeah, reminiscent oh, of the the being against uh, landlords being able to harass their tenants. And then uh, I was wondering, and and for you, Gabe, uh, known as you know, in 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 infamy of of the far right of America as the Antifa teacher, like. Everything you dealt with, the literal threats to your physical well-being, um, like when you read something like that, like do you draw correlates to to your experience? Absolutely, yeah. No, I I, I don't think that had that uh, you know been passed at the time that that it would have made it. I don't think it's going to act as a deterrent. People are going to do what they're going to do, um, but I I do think that it's it's. You know, it's it's the full mask off approach of these this group of people who are are willing to say, um, you know, out loud what you would think that they would be speaking about behind closed doors. Like, stop making a misdemeanor to not harass teachers. Like, fuck that. Like, no, we're going to harass these people inside, outside of work, etc. Um, the other thing that they're in opposition of, which I think is just like, you know. <laughs> calling call a Nazi a Nazi is like the AB 1078, which would require a two thirds majority in a school board in order to ban a book. Um, and they don't want to be anywhere near that. <laughs> um, and, and in, in this article, there are uh, a lot of folks, um, who are, uh, who are quoted in it, you know, who are explicitly saying that this is a spiritual war, that they're, they're acting out biblical doctrine, 
Um, so they're not hiding their disdain for a separation of church and state, and obviously they don't they don't see any um, you know historical precedent for separating the two in schools. Um, another you know since they they talked on that this isn't a right or left issue, and Skyler brought up the the man who was no party preference, but then switched to Republican. Uh, they also quote uh, Aaron Friday, who is a Democrat, a mother and lawyer. Um, who, uh, you know, is, is actively working against the trans ideology. Now I, I had to dig into this person before the episode because I was like, I gotta, I gotta know more about her. And I watched a 40 minute interview that she did with like a local Chicago morning show where she explained how she got into this movement. And you guys are going to fucking love this. So she has a daughter that's in seventh grade attended one class where they did the sex ed curriculum here in California, which is very comprehensive um, and in line with all of the medical research. Um, and her daughter and all of her friends at the end of that, uh, of that lesson all um, adopted LGBTQ identities. They all changed their names and they all said that they were trans. Now, they didn't start by saying that they were trans. They started by saying you know, innocuous things like being non-binary, but it's like a drug, you know? They start with a little bit, and then it's just oh, a no. slippery slope, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, and I, I want to say that a, a couple things, because I have a lot that I could say on this, but I know that we're short on time. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. For anyone who doesn't know about that religion, um, they are probably one of the most, if not the most conservative religions in the United States. Now, the one positive, and I only have one positive thing to say about that religion, having grown up in it, is that they actually, uh, along with many other things they're not allowed to do, they're not allowed to be involved in politics at all. They can't vote. They can't run. They can't donate, etc. Right? They're, they're completely completely separated from the political world. Um, and when I was in school, if we had a sex ed curriculum, um, if we had, you know, a, a class on evolution, which they don't believe in, um, my, my parents did not, th there was occasions where they would have to view the curriculum ahead of time and I might have to stay home on a day of a lesson. Every parent has the right to view the curriculum ahead of time, choose whether or not their student participates in it. But what the witnesses don't do is try to change the entire fucking school and the entire state fucking mandated curriculum to abide by their incredibly narrow, myopic, archaic understanding of, of gender, of biology, of sexual education, of all of these things. And that is, at the core, what, what these people are, are trying to do because fascism relies on sexual anxiety. And it relies on amplifying the idea that uh, the left is, is set out to destroy the, you know, and undermine the structure of the family. And the family is the core tenant of the state. And you know how fascism relies to the state. Um, so I, I think, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting about in this article was that uh, some folks in Temecula, which is a terrible, conservative, dry, desolate hellhole of a place, um, tried to <laughs> tried to reject the curriculum uh, teaching about um, LGBTQ rights as well as Harvey Milk. And Newsom 
threatened them with a $1.5 million fine and the people backed down, right? And then and signed off on the curriculum. Um, but this is- Harvey a- Milk, for folks who don't know, uh, is a former uh, supervisor on the Board of Soups, which is uh, San Francisco's version of city council. Um, back in, I believe, 70s, 80s, um, first openly gay member, and he was shot and killed uh, while in office. Yeah, so an integral part of not only LGBTQ history, but just history in general, right? Like, and he was murdered by a former cop, um, you know, and, and, and the defense that they use is, is ultimately the same defense that, like, trans panic, right? It's the same same type of parallels that you can draw between the Twinkie defense and that. Um, but this, I, I think, is, is the, the question that's being... Um, kind of uh, brought in this article is like, at, at which point um, are we, should we expect that in, in Sacramento? I mean, Rockland's right next door, right? right. Um, and, and I think we are already seeing it, right? I mean, like the, e- even within my, I mean, Destiny Church is responsible for the Project Veritas targeting of Pastor Casey, who is up in Loomis, who is who is running the uh, um, I, I, the name of, of the the group is, is slipping my mind, but they essentially provided a space for students um, who were who were dealing with you know bullying and, and antagonizing behavior, uh, ostracization, et cetera. For and they were for, LGBT students, yes, right? Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and and Destiny Church, as well as a lot of these other groups, rely on on people like the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and all all these fucking frothing mouth lunatics to be their foot soldiers to go out there and harass anyone that they've, they've, you know, put a target on. Um, so I, I think that at, at the end of the day, we need to understand that this isn't, this isn't a, a particular group of, of people who are, are concerned that they're not being made aware of what's going on in their, in their children's lives. I mean, I, I would say to that to any parent, if your child doesn't feel comfortable telling you something, that is 1,000% your fucking fault. Not the schools. Not any, if, you're, if your child doesn't want to talk to you, it's because you're a terrible fucking parent. You have not facilitated or, or given, given, a, uh, a, given them an environment in which they feel safe. That's plain and simple. There's, there's no other way around it. Um, and, and these people are... Fascists. They don't need to be Republicans. They don't need to be Democrats. They don't. They they can call themselves whatever the fuck they want. They are absolutely, without a doubt, fascists, and they are trying to push a fascist agenda in schools. Um, and if they had it their way, they would absolutely have this. Every state, every county, every school board. They are running in these elections. They know that they can be successful in them because a lot of people don't pay attention to them, and a lot of people who don't have kids who would be actively fighting against them are also not paying attention to school board races. I was just going to add on to that, Gabe, and say that that's kind of where, like, if, you know, I can imagine somebody listening to this and being like, oh, I don't have, I don't plan on having kids, so this doesn't really affect me. But the part where it does is that people use school board races as a jumping off point to begin political careers, and it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times... People get elected to the school board and they use it to get themselves elected to the local city council or board of supervisors and up into state or federal <laughs> government, right? So, like, that's why when guys like Perrine run for school board, that's why that's such a big deal is because if he gets his foot in the door, 
on that, then he is set up in a place that he's he's ready to level up into the next level of government. And that's I mean, and obviously that I think is that to me when I'm when I'm listening to Gabe talk about this stuff for me, like I'm thinking about like like open fascist getting footholds in their local mm-hmm. governments and using them to climb because that's what I, I I believe that that is what they are doing. And that's why. This is so insidious and dangerous, in addition to, like, indoctrinating children and being just unthinkable fucking shit asses in general, you know? Yeah. I was thinking about this through the lens of a a piece I just read on the Edinger Mentum newsletter. Uh, If you don't know it, folks, check it out. Um, It's a guy who had written this piece a few months ago called The Electoral History of Transphobia, that sort of went throughout the country on all on how the transphobic uh, narrative came to be central to the GOP's culture wars uh, as a wedge issue in the United States. The silver lining on all of this is that it's a bad tactic. It's bad for them to focus on trans rights and paint it as they will, right? Try and call it parents' rights, try and call it, you know, gender ideology. Like it it does not land with with a lot of people. And every race that they've been focusing on in recent years, since Trump's ascendance, there's there's just a lot of how do you put it? Um, you know, there's a they have an Icarus syndrome, right? Like uh they they think that the the voters will follow this and and voters just are not he wrote a follow up to that piece just a couple days ago um just giving a a few updates on on this this transphobic political agenda and how well that's working for them and it's it's fucking the republicans on national and state levels in wisconsin uh, there was a, a very important Supreme Court race that would decide if it would be uh, majority liberal or conservative. And the conservative went hard on, you know, transphobia lost, lost by an astounding 11 points uh, in a state like Wisconsin, where it's very close Dem Republican over in Ohio. They had this like issue one or whatever it was called, which basically uh, they were trying to Republicans. There's a little background to this. Republicans won uh, by a landslide in 2010 because it was the midterms after Obama was elected. uh, And they took that momentum to be able to gerrymander the state. So they've run the state for the last 10, 12 years. but the one thing stopping them from doing all of their horrific shit is that the people of Ohio are like a little more chill than them. And so when they tried to instate some horrific Republican shit, the people would just do a referendum in the next ballot and then shut it down. So the people after the Republicans got rid of abortion, right, uh, on an, a federal level most recently, um, or at least, you know, made it so it's not a federally protected thing. The Democrats or whatever, the Ohioans were like, all right, well, we're going to put abortion rights on our ballot next election because we all want abortion rights. And Republicans seeing that are like, fuck, we can't stop them. We know we're not popular. We can't fight this. So they're like, all right, we're going to change the law and make it so 
on a referendum like this, you have to win by 60% of the vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, this turned into, from there, it, it became clear that it was going to be an abortion fight, this race. And they were like, okay, 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 let's change our messaging. Let's say it's, we're trying to protect, um, you know, parents' rights. And, you know, it's, it's like a, a trans, it's like a trans ideology thing. And they tried that and they lost even worse than they thought they would. Uh, third thing, Jacksonville mayor, like Republicans have taken Florida. It's done. It's over with. And yet... In the race for Jacksonville mayor, which is a Republican city because it includes all sorts of rural land, it, it should have been run away with by a Republican. Uh, the Republican ran on, you guessed it, anti-trans ideology and lost to the Democrat. So I, I feel a little better when I see this on a federal level. But I think to both of your points, it's, it's different locally. It, you can make bigger changes locally. The reason we started the show was in part because we knew you can make changes on a local granular scale, but that works in the other direction. It works for the fascists that way too. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that uh, if I if could make a suggestion for, for everyone out there to, to, to pick up the book American Fascism by Brent Tannehill, um, fantastic queer author, author who does... I think the most relevant analysis of the rise of fascism in the U.S. currently, um, and she has an entire section on on like the the sexual anxiety uh, of fascist movements currently, um, and her analysis relies on that foundation of local elections and those local races that they have been able to uh, maneuver and and successfully navigate uh, in a way that the progressive left has not even come close. Um, and I, I think that in California, in, in a lot of solidly blue states, a lot of people, um, they, they become, I, what, what's the term? Uh, like asleep? They're like asleep, right? When it comes to these, t- yeah, complacent, right? That they, they assume that things are going to go you know, go their way all the time. They don't. They don't necessarily get involved. Yeah, of course they they churn out for the the big, uh, you know, every two year cycle on on the federal level. But when it comes to local elections, like there there is not as much uh, surety in in the footing of any progressive values in California as people think there are. Well. I, yeah, I, I'm glad we got to discuss this today. Um, and, uh, you know, we did go a little bit over. Is there anything else we want to add on this issue? Fuck Destiny Church. Heard. I thought you were going to say Destiny's Child. And I was going to say, fuck <laughs> yeah, you, I was going to be like, no, nah, man, no, nah, I can't get there. Yeah. I can't, man. You, I, I, I would say <laughs> yeah to a lot of the things you propose, but not that one. <laughs> can't get behind that. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks, y'all, for those of you who stuck around. I think this was a really important discussion, and we will fucking see you next week. <laughs>